0: You guys, if you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, you need to. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started.
1: Hello and welcome
0: to Mimesis, a brand new podcast about all the twisted ways
1: art and life imitate each other. I'm Stacy Rourke. And I'm Sandra Scherfer of And I'll be reading, reading. <laughs> I'm be... going to take a nap and read a book. Thank I mean, that sounds like a plan
0: it. to me. It does. <laughs> you
1: are hosting our episode today. Yes, I am.
0: This and... is this is our second time of, um, no, not our second episode. A lot of people will see it as a second Just the second episode, but this is our second take of our second episode. (laughs) Yeah, we messed up a little. A little bit. (laughs) We pushed all the buttons on my computer so that my computer microphone and my regular microphone were picking me up simultaneously. So it was really loud. (laughs) (laughs) We're learning. We're learning. Yeah. And now today, the topic that we're going to cover, Miss Sandra is The Lovely Bones by Alice Sebold. That's right. Uh, I remember reading this book and it broke my heart and uh, last mm-hmm. night recording this broke my heart. Now I know I have to go through it again and oh, I'm poured a drink.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I kind of went dark.
0: Yeah, you went dark, <laughs> but it's good. It's good. Yeah. So we're going to talk about the book, The Lovely Bones and compare it to uh, real life
1: situations mm-hmm. and Real feelings that go along with these matters. Yeah, because art imitates life. And that's what this book is all about. How she wrote a piece of art from something that happened in real life. Oh, yeah. No spoilers on that, but oh, I know. Oh, yeah. Trigger warning for this completely and spoiler warnings or spoiler alerts because it's it's intense. Yeah.
0: Spoiler alert. If you're going to read the book, we're going to be talking about plot topics and trigger warnings sexual assault, murder kidnapping, all sorts of ugliness so if those are uh, not your forte uh, just bear with us or maybe tune into our previous episode where we talked about Jaws and some shark attacks or view our next episode how about listen to our next episode which uh, I can't say it'll be lighter but nobody's gonna hurt kids
1: (laughs) yeah yeah. This is a piece of fiction, but it was based off of a true story.
0: Yes. Yeah. And a true story that happens all too often in our world these days. Yeah. All right, so
1: let's get started. Kick it okay. off, Miss Sandra. Are we comfy? Are we ready? <laughs> yes. Okay. Take sip of drink. <laughs> okay. I read this book when I was first in high school back in 2002. Ah. <laughs> Sweet baby child. <gasps> I'm not, I'm not that young.
0: anymore. We won't talk about how many years I had been
1: graduated with when that happened. I remember you graduating. You were there. It's a story about a 14 year old girl named Susie Salmon, who after being raped and murdered, watches over her family and friends from her heaven. Susie has come to terms with her. Susie has to come to terms with her death and her family struggle struggles to move on as well. On December 6th, 1973, Susie takes her usual shortcut through the cornfield to go home, and her neighbor, George Harvey, persuades her to come look at an underground hideout that he constructed.
0: And right there, that right there, dipping into uh, real life issues you know a sicko like that that targets kids he was watching her and he knew her path that she took every day yeah he did you know it's terrifying to think how many people with twisted agendas are watching us in our day-to-day life that we might not even be realizing
1: yeah like stalkers and Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah it makes me leery of everybody
0: yeah I am not sociable when I'm out alone. Like, you will never find me more antisocial, more closed off. Don't look at me. Don't make eye contact.
1: Like, I'm just. Yeah. I think growing up in a really bad area that I kind of, I watch a lot of people just to make sure somebody coming towards me, okay, I'm going to go this way. So that way I don't feel like that. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, when you're young and innocent, you don't really notice that too much. And that's where. Susie was very innocent she was how old was she at this point in the book 14 and this is in the 70s where this wasn't like displayed on the news as it is now
0: no and in the 70s you played outside all day yeah you know you played outside until the street lights came on and then you had to go home that's that was the 70s yeah
1: you wrote I mean even in the 80s how I grew up like that yeah I I should say early 90s (laughs) shush (laughs)
0: But like my kids, I would never just turn them loose on their bikes and be like, okay, see you dinner time." No, no, no. No. No.
1: I'm always outside on the porch, and they're only allowed to go corner to corner, and mm-hmm. I can see them fully.
0: Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. okay. So Miss Susie has
1: ventured off with this man. Yep. She goes with him, and when they get down into the hideout, it was not very tall. It was only tall enough for her to stand up, and George had to slump over and when she states that she needs to leave he proceeds to rape and murder her as her spirit leaves her body she flees to her heaven and runs past ruth connor a classmate and this somehow connects them now those two
0: they weren't very close friends right they just grew up like in the same circles yeah yeah
1: like went to the same school since kindergarten
0: which makes sense in a real world Uh, situation because they weren't really friends but seeing a tragedy like this happen to somebody you're so close to does affect you in a very big way so i think that part in the book is a very big metaphor for how you can become connected to somebody that you didn't even really know that well just by yes tragedy how did he Lure her into that cabin. What did he?
1: Her interest in how did he create this hideout that's underground? Oh, no. And said that he made it for all the kids in the neighborhood.
0: Oh, Susie, honey.
1: Yeah. Oh, <laughs> no. No, no. Yeah. no. Mm. Nope. Grown ups never need your help or anything. No, no. No. An adult will never ask you, a little kid, for anything. Susie shares her heaven with another girl named Holly. It's not stated how Holly has died, but they share a home in heaven. She showed up on the third day. Everyone had a version of their own heaven, but if they aligned, it fits together, and that's how they see other people who have died.
0: Now, is there a chance that Holly also endured some kind of tragic death? Is that hinted at at all?
1: No, it's not, just says Holly showed up on the third day, and they shared a duplex. That's okay. all it says. All right. I mean, we can assume that maybe, but it's not implied. It's sure. not implied at all, which okay. then you want to kind of think, oh, yeah, that she just died, which is never easy for a child.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What, there's no good way for a child to mm-hmm. die. doesn't matter. No.
1: Oh, this one's heavy. Yeah, a little bit. Susie's family doesn't want to believe that she is dead. They only start to believe when the neighbor's dog finds Susie's elbow. Uh, Ray becomes the first suspect in Susie's death slash disappearance. Her parents are very hopeful that she will be found. Now, who was Ray? Ray is one of Susie's classmates and he has a crush on Susie.
0: Okay. So they think that something nefarious happened because
1: he had a crush on this little girl. Yeah. Well, she had a crush on him too okay um but they don't they know he wasn't the killer because he was at a conference with 45 other people including his father okay his dad was a professor and he was talking in front of a bunch of people
0: so there was no way that he could be no way um so why did they think that he was guilty why did they
1: point fingers at him Because they found a love poem that he wrote to Susie tucked in one of her or like he had tucked it into her book, but somehow it like fell out when Harvey was moving everything. So Did they find that
0: with her elbow? No.
1: This was after they found her elbow and like was combing through the area. Okay,
0: they found the poem somewhere on the grounds afterwards. Yeah. It was like
1: carried off and like blew away so they didn't know exactly where the area was just yet
0: okay but that makes sense because in a lot of cases that someone is murdered or goes missing they always look to you know who they're dating or their spouse or somebody like that they usually look at those people first so yeah that makes sense yeah it's tragic but it makes sense
1: yeah it's like what they say like nine times out of ten when uh wife dies it's always the husband yeah like which is been...
0: horrible but yeah. yeah yeah. okay so they think he did it but
1: not not for long right so uh, Susie had a breakthrough from her heaven and showed her face to her dad in the smash glass in the den so in his den he had all these mini ships that him and Susie built together And so he found out about Susie's elbow, went up there, and just smashed everything.
0: Which is such a raw human reaction. Yes. Because it's something that reminds him of her. And, you know, you have to think that he's going to regret that because that was something that they shared together. But in that moment, it's just such a raw emotion that you you can understand somebody
1: lashing out like that. Yeah, like instead of like just idolizing it he smashed it and then you don't have that afterwards right. once you clean everything up
0: oh and then to see her face in the shattered glass after he broke it yeah. that makes it even worse yes uh but yeah. you know you, you also think of after you lose someone close to you how you you see their face everywhere for a while everywhere
1: yeah and little things yeah like i think that i see my dad in butterflies Aw, <laughs> such a rough episode. Uh huh. <laughs> Brings up a lot of emotions. It and does, cause it has to do yeah. with
0: loss, and that's such a painful thing.
1: Yes, it is. Yeah, it really is.
0: And it, there's so many different ways to lose people, too. You know, it's it's never easy. No matter how how someone exits your life, it's yeah. it's never easy.
1: Even when you're kind of suspecting it, it's never easy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, moving on in this, this uh-huh. gut-wrenching topic today.
1: <laughs> so the next time that she tries to show herself to her dad is when her dad is helping Harvey in his backyard construct a bridal tent. The bridal tent was a new idea that he had, like, the hideout he made.
0: in cornfield.
1: Yeah. Jack started to wonder if anyone talked to Harvey and where he was the night Susie disappeared. After that, the police talked to Harvey, and they found him odd, but didn't believe to be a suspect.
0: What Did they describe much of what the bridal tent was or what it looked like? Or
1: um, It was an idea that he had that he wanted to construct this. They go over how they built it, like what they used, and like... Um, why he did and that's where he uh, the Jack started to think that it was Harvey because he made one little slip and said that his wife Sophia when he had told the cops that his na- his wife's name was Leah who had passed oh. away one little thing
0: mm. mm-hmm. and the fact that he, oh, her dad was helping with this thing and knowing what his plans were
1: for it ick yeah yes. well her, her dad didn't know like he yeah had that's just... what I'm
0: saying It's like later on he would know down the yeah. road he'd be like oh that's what he mm-hmm. intended to do with that and yeah. I was gonna help him
1: yeah because he wanted to build something to find out if it would work and what better way to say oh I'm building this for my widowed life that I always made this before like but I just had it in the basement I wanted to make it bigger this year gross
0: mm-hmm. gross uh okay I'm going to yeah. need a shower when this
1: episode's over. <laughs> yeah, he's icky. Yeah. After Susie's death, Ray and Ruth become friends. She would bring him bourbon in her father's flask, and he would bring tea in a thermos, and they would sit on the shot put field and talk before school would start. I'm sorry, how old is she? They were in the same grade as Susie, maybe a grade older, so 14 or 15 years old.
0: And she's bringing bourbon to school?
1: Yes. Oh, okay. Her dad would, before he started giving it to her to bring. He would hand her to drink when he would drop her off, and he'd take a sip himself, before he would go to work.
0: This makes me think of um, that HBO show, the flight attendant. How her and her dad bonded over booze. Yes, and that was like their little secret. Yes. I wonder how often that that show was so good.
1: What? That show was so good. Oh, I
0: know. It's amazing. I'm so excited.
1: The new season's coming yeah. out soon.
0: <laughs> yeah, That show was fantastic. I loved it. But um, it, like I said, it makes me wonder how many parents do bond with their kids yeah. over something like that. I, I, How much that ties into alcoholism in the parents and the kids. Well, yeah, it's
1: a disease. Yeah. Like, it's a legit, like, disease that they can't fight. And so they want to bring other people in it. And because... Like they're, I think it's genetic, and it can, it can be passed be. down. It can so be. them giving that first drink, it makes and it, it becomes then.
0: their secret then, or their special little secret of something they share, yeah. which is you know, and that's how they they showed that on the flight attendant is that was their special
1: secret, yeah, and it fed into a huge alcohol problem with her when she got older, right? Because she was drinking until she was like blackout drunk and didn't remember anything, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that show was so good. I can't wait for season two. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we'll talk about that
0: and how it imitates real life. (laughs) What flight attendants' lives really look like versus
1: (laughs) (laughs) what they look like on the show. A memorial service was held for Susie. Her grandmother, Lynn, had flown in from out of state and pointed out Harvey to Lindsay, and she fainted. And he snuck away while people were attending to Lindsay.
0: Why did she faint when she saw him?
1: Because they had, were talking about who her father thought was the man who killed Susie. And so the adrenaline of being at the memorial, seeing the guy, she just fainted. Oh. Like she obviously loved her sister so much that she,
0: it and was to, too much. And to look at that person and be flooded with the thoughts of, are you capable of something?
1: Yeah. And knowing horrid. that he's a neighbor. Yeah. He's so close. Yeah. Like, I think it was one or two houses down from their house. Like, he could directly see. And, yeah. Oh. And was any, there's a lot of kids in the
0: neighborhood. He's watching, he's taking his pick. Yeah. Oh,
1: and my goodness gross. gracious. So, yeah. Well, no wonder the poor girl fainted. I would too. Yeah. That summer, Lindsay and Ruth both went to a gifted camp. Ruth was fascinated by Susie, always wanting writing. Always writing about her in poems and in her journal. She wrote about the night that Susie died and kept tabs on Lindsay and how she was getting closer with her boyfriend Sam. So Lindsay started dating Sam after Susie died. So she's growing up, she's moving yeah. on so to speak. Yeah, it's really a coming of age book almost. Yeah.
0: And then for Susie to be watching this and knowing that they're growing and they're moving on. And she's kind of stuck forever yeah. where she was.
1: Yeah. And Ruth is realizing that seeing them together, she's not wanting the boyfriend. She's wanting a girlfriend.
0: Come on, Ruth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this is during a time that's in the 70s when that's a hard decision to make it was frowned upon i'm not saying it's it's easy for anybody to come out now you know everyone has their own circumstances but in the 70s that was a very very hard hard time to
1: be true to yourself yeah like it was very frowned upon in that time that's so horrible
0: see if ruth was in this time period she could have She could have gone to parades and owned her own truth and (laughs) experienced love and not been ridiculed for it.
1: Yeah, she was the odd child, so they made fun of her for many things, and so she didn't want to come out because of that. Yeah. So her and Ray had made a pact that they were going to kiss and pretend to be...
0: Oh. uh, Yeah. Just to pretend to be something they're not. Oh, this is... Because See, he was Harper. still
1: in love with Susie, yeah, and she just wanted to kind of fit in,
0: yeah, yeah. He was
1: basically her beard for a little while, yeah. That's <laughs> yep. <laughs> that was nice of him. Good for you. Um, to keep the suspicion off of himself, Harvey set many alarms to keep his pattern undetectable. One alarm was to tell him to open the blinds, to turn the lights on and off. And he also counted his trinkets that he took from others. Okay, we're
0: going to get to the trinkets in just a minute. But when you're such a freak that you have to set timers in your life to do regular everyday things, like, you know, open the blinds, turn on the Mm -hmm. lights, maybe put on pants. Like, if you need alarms for just the basics, where's your head at, friend? (laughs) It's not in a good spot. No,
1: you're not in a good place. No. He's almost psycho.
0: Okay, so here's a question i'm so afraid to ask what are the trinkets are these like chachkis he collects like precious moment styles because that'd be great
1: <laughs> no not like that no. <laughs> these are things that he kept from the victims of his murders
0: oh uh, okay what are they go ahead i'm okay. gonna get a drink while you tell me because this is <laughs> this is a rough one
1: yeah so his trinkets included a wedding ring A sealed letter, a heel of a shoe from a little girl who cried too much. This little girl, he did not kill because somebody started banging on the door. So he was like, I was just trying to fix her shoe. I was just trying to fix her shoe, but somehow managed to keep the heel. But the little girl in that one survived. She survived. Because she screamed too much. Because she was crying and it brought too much attention.
0: Kids, if this isn't a lesson, if somebody grabs you, if somebody's holding you, if somebody tries to touch you that you don't want, just scream your full
1: head off. You don't say help. You say no. fire.
0: Yeah. Say fire. Just fire. scream. I don't know this person. Just scream. Make a spectacle. Mm-hmm. Make a huge Curse. scene. Curse as much as you
1: can. Say fuck all the time. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I swear so,
0: so much. It's a safety thing. It's fucking safety, man. <laughs>
1: I tell my kids if somebody grabs you, just start cursing so loud because kids don't really curse and somebody will look. Yep. Yep.
0: Just make a scene. Don't be afraid to make a scene. Oh,
1: great. Okay. So the little, the heel of the shoe, a pair of glasses, an eraser, a small perfume bottle, a plastic bracelet an amber pendant, and Susie's keystone charm. Oh.
0: That's a lot of trinkets. That's a lot of victims. A lot.
1: Oh. Fennerman tells the Salmons that the police have followed all leads and they are dropping the investigation because of the lack of evidence. That night, Jack witnesses a flashlight in the cornfield, believing that Harvey has returned to destroy the evidence. Jack ran out to the cornfield with a baseball bat, and he came across Clarissa, Susie's friend. Clarissa screamed, thinking that she was being attacked, and her boyfriend, Brian, came over and grabbed the baseball bat that Jack had dropped and beat him nearly to death. Oh, my gosh. While Jack was in the hospital, he had to have surgery because he had a broken knee and other injuries
0: he's he was in bad shape he was in bad
1: shape he was because i mean he thought that somebody else was getting hurt or the evidence was getting destroyed and then he goes out there and happens upon somebody just trying to make out with her boyfriend
0: (laughs) she was was just trying to get a little nookie
1: She just (laughs) yeah but that's a really bad place to do it like yes Like that's kind of disrespectful in a way, but I mean, they didn't know it has not been said like nobody really knew that that's where still a cornfield is not the best place for no, no. But I mean, when you're 15, you sneak off to anywhere you can. (laughs) I have a 15 year old. (laughs) She better not be in any cornfields. I'm just
0: saying.
1: Okay. So Abigail, who is Susie's mom, while Jack is in surgery kisses detective finnerman what's her name abigail abigail what you doing girl Mm. she kisses him at the hospital on the balcony
0: gross yeah okay well decisions were made they're not good ones not good ones
1: no no she wanted out okay she wanted an escape And she knew that he was single because he had lost his wife previously and just wanted somebody that saw her, not what had happened to her. Okay, she wanted to be separate from the tragedy. Yes, but the detective that's going after the, like, that's his case. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I want to escape with
0: somebody who doesn't know what I'm going through, so I'm going to pick the guy that probably has more details about what I'm going through than what I do
1: abigail 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 no 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 so she later moves to california just leaving the family one day just i'm gonna run to the store and never came back does the does the
0: detective go with her no 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 she just leaves everything wow yeah i wonder how many uh parents that have dealt with the loss of a child I looked that up. Oh, nothing <laughs> so, like a nice segue. <laughs> um,
1: I had to look it up and found that in this survey that 72% of parents that were married at the time of their child's death are still married. The so they kind of clung
0: to each other in it.
1: Yes. The remaining 28% are no longer together. 16% of that is one parent has died and the other 12 has resulted in divorce. Okay. 28%
0: is still a pretty high number of the ones that separate. Yes. By any means, you know, we,
1: well, 12% divorce that seems a little bit lower.
0: Yeah. That surprises me. I I would think that there would be a lot of blame being cast back and forth. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah whether it be at yourself or at your partner.
1: Yeah. um, Especially if it's like something like you didn't shut the door or. Last week's This Is Us. Yes. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert between Kate and Toby,
0: um, where their little guy uh, He forgot to. They forgot to shut the door, lock the door, and he fell and needed stitches. And uh,
1: so the, the blame they put on each other. Yeah, well, and, Toby was to blame for leaving the gate unlocked. He never listened to it snap. And, and then Kate, Kate left the never front door up. unlocked. Yeah, So both of them were to blame, which I think it's brilliant that the show did that
0: because they were both blaming each other, but they were equally to blame. Exactly. Exactly. And that was one of the things that, you know, if you're not, if you're not caught up on This Is Us, we're not going to tell you where they're at now. But <laughs> there was definitely a lot of blame and ugliness being thrown back and forth. Yeah. So you could see, you know, that's another example of in this kind of situation, how people would react.
1: Yeah. And I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just to say with the 16% of the ones who one parent has died, is it unfortunately suicide? Is it that somebody was sick? Like they wouldn't have separated because like they got cancer or car accidents or whatever. But how many of those were actual suicides? That's a very good question, because I think losing a child is one of
0: the most painful things anybody could ever endure.
1: It and really is. I,
0: I, that's a very good question. That might be something, if anyone listening has any input on that, by all means, get in touch with us, because I think there has to be something connected to that. You blame yourself and how far does it go? If you don't get the help you need, Blaming yeah. yourself for that child's death. Not that we, you know, suicide is never the answer. Get the help you need. There is no shame in getting help. But I'm wondering how many times that people haven't in those kind of situations.
1: Yeah. There's always suicide prevention lines. You can always call
0: anybody. Like, Heck, get a hold of us. We'll talk to you. We'll talk you down. Yep.
1: And that's where we need to insert.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. This is how you get a hold of us. We just don't have it quite yet. (laughs)
1: We can get a hold of us at the Mamises Podcast at that's gmail.com. Right.
0: Oh yes, that's right. See, this is this is why we're such a good pair. I'm like, contact us, and you're like, this is how you actually do that.
1: <laughs> hey, I got the the logical sense sometimes. Yeah, I mean, you're I'm the ones going that are to be...
0: fly by the seat of my
1: pants, gal. You're better worth words than I am.
0: <laughs> okay so mom has run off dad is in the hospital
1: yep and so grandma lynn who is abigail's mother decides to move in with them to help with raising buckley susie's little sister
0: okay so mom realizes that her daughter brother sorry okay i was gonna say buckley's a weird name for a little
1: girl but whatever (laughs) we'll go with it
0: but i love that it's abigail's mom and not the dad's mom because she's like okay well my daughter has flaked out completely
1: here yeah. Let well me... the the thing that about grandma lynn that you realize is grandma lynn was kind of a drunk and she said that she would stop drinking and come and help oh she said that i will have a drink after 5 p.m or i will drink nothing at all okay grandma so she knew that... somebody
0: needed to step up and her daughter didn't do it so she's yeah. gonna do it yeah all right like, grandma lynn
1: from out of state and came and lived
0: yes that's
1: that that's that mama bear vibe of my i didn't give my daughter a good enough life i'm gonna make sure damn well sure that my grandkids have a good life. how
0: pissed would you be at your kid
1: like you're you're showing up there you're doing what has to be done but at your own
0: kid and i know there's some parents that you know their kid can do no wrong in their eyes i love my kids dearly i'm gonna call them out if they're flaking off in some big way and that's right you know, they're not biologically my kid I'm looking at you I'm gonna call them out
1: oh she does she does it very well
0: so if I'm having to step up there's there's gonna be words you know I'm I'm gonna do what has to be done here but what are you doing yeah. at what point are you gonna get your head out of your ass and come help yeah mm. this fires <laughs> me up <laughs>
1: i'm glad you were there to help me yes always <laughs> i learned i got you my did. head on my butt
0: <laughs> <laughs> you you removed your head from your anus very good i very
1: proud of you <laughs> <gasps> oh dear oh this is why i love you <laughs> yes
0: for those that don't know sandra is my niece um as She's not only one of my best friends, she's she's one of my kids, too, whether she likes it or not. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean,
1: you've kind of been taking care of me since I was eight. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And there's only 11 years difference between us, so I was a teenager at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. It started, like, at your graduation. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and I'm very sorry that my mother put you in that position. What? I'm sorry. said I'm very... Sorry that my mother put you in the position where you needed to. You don't have to apologize for other people.
0: It happened for a reason and it brought us together. And now we have an awesome podcast and we're going to charm our way into the hearts of a bunch of new friends. So we're good. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. So what's Grandma Lynn doing? Well, first, Oh. oh, Lindsay breaks into Harvey's house. And notices that he doesn't have a lot of furniture. She went in from the basement all the way up to the first floor to the top floor to his room. And while Lindsay is in there, Susie was watching over her and started to call out the names of his other victims. (gasps) Do you want to hear the names? I want to hear the names. Oh, God. Jackie Meyer delaware 1967 13 oh flora hernandez delaware 1963 8 oh that's so sick leah fox does that name ring a bell yeah he never had a wife (gasps) oh he just used names of one of his victims oh Ew. yeah oh he's gross so, Leah Fox, Delaware, 1969, 12. Sophia... That's the other one, Sophia. Sophia Chachet, Pennsylvania, 1960, 49. That's weird. Lin- Lydia Johnson, 1966. Oh. Wendy Richard, Connecticut, 13. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That age difference. That yeah me... like i want to know who the 49 year old was was it like his mother yeah so was it somebody who just happened to what he was doing saw what he was doing yeah was going to expose was, him but was this was that his first because it never says in what order these are in oh
0: uh, now yeah. we this is our second recording of this like i yes. said or at the beginning of the show because we had some technical difficulties when we talked about this yesterday, because I'm addicted to true crime podcasts, um, Morbid with Ash and Elena is my absolute favorite. If I if we do nothing else with this podcast, I want to become best friends with them. They're just like us. Does that niece, mean that just I like can us.
1: become best friends with Karen and Georgia because I love Murder podcasts as well?
0: Uh, sure, we'll all be best <laughs> friends together. It'll be great. We'll hang out. Um, but when we were talking about this yesterday, I told you that it reminds me of some of the cases that I've listened to, yeah. but I couldn't place it in the moment. You know, there's too many and it was in the moment. Uh, so today, before we re recorded this, I went back and I hunted for the morbid podcast that really reminded me a lot of this case. Okay. Um, and seriously, uh, people listening, if you've not listened to morbid, check it out. Those girls are amazing. They do deep dives into true crime cases and they are just an absolute hoot to listen to as they deal with, really emotional topics so check them out but the episode that they did on the Moore's murders
1: the Moors Moore's
0: murders okay um Ian Brady and Myra Hindley are the murders in this in this situation and their crime spree was between July 1963 and October 1965 in and around Manchester England Okay. They had five victims total <gasps> that raged in age from 10 to 17. Oh. Um it's, it's a huge trigger warning right here. But these victims, um, what happened to them was taped, audio taped, as they were sexually assaulted, tortured, oh. killed, everything. Um The bodies were not found for a very long time. They were buried in the Moors, which is a very expansive land and very hard to find. So when they were trying to figure out who had been killed, if they were victims of them or not, as the bodies were being recovered, one of the parents had to listen to an audio tape of her daughter being Uh. tortured and killed to identify if that was her daughter's voice.
1: Oh, that's so terrible.
0: Isn't that horrific? Yeah. And one of the things that was huge trigger warning here. I'm so sorry, but this is, you know, this is the kind of thing we're talking about today. Um, One of the things that she said in the video, the little girl uh, said to Ian and Myra, please don't take my clothes off. I want my mommy. Oh, can you imagine as a parent having to listen to that and know that there was nothing you could do for your kid?
1: I I couldn't. I couldn't.
0: It's horrific. It's absolutely horrific. Um, of the, the victims, there's one of them who whose body has not yet been recovered. The search is ongoing for all of them. But um, I'm not sure if Ian and Myra are still alive. I don't think they are. But up until the end, they would not say where that last
1: body was. They wouldn't oh.
0: grant that, that family the mercy of being able to
1: lay their child to rest. That's terrible. Yeah, yeah, and that's the same thing with this Harvey. He doesn't tell them where the bodies exactly. are exactly, and there's that's the almost a power years.
0: move that yeah, I'm not going to give you that last yeah.
1: little bit of mercy. Well, he never gets arrested <gasps> for any of this, mm. but his justice comes. Okay, all right, <laughs> let's. <laughs> oh, this one's a dark one. So, Lindsay reaches Harvey's room and finds his sketchbook with a diagram of the underground den. She's forced to grab the picture and jump out the window because have Harvey returned unexpectedly. Harvey didn't want to press charges, so the police did not arrest Lindsay for breaking into his home, and Harvey fled the town. So, the he reason knew why he was going to get caught? He was afraid he was going to get caught because talking to the police, he showed them another picture. Did the picture look like this? And they're like, yeah. And he had to explain himself and say, I drew this drawing because I was interested because I wanted to know how this man did it. Oh, no. How he made this happen. And the police were young. So they were like, okay. But then he ran that night. Uh <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay. Must remind myself they are not real, real police no, officers. No, this is
1: a totally work of fiction. It's a total, total work okay, of fiction. Okay, all right. Yeah. On the one-year anniversary of her death, the neighborhood came together to hold a memorial for Susie. It was not planned. It just happened, and everyone thought of Susie and came together.
0: Oh, that again makes me think of the Os- Oxford shootings yeah. and how everyone came together in the midst of everyone. That. Yeah. Didn't? Yeah. Um, one of the football teams Michigan's football teams where the number yes. of the the yes. boy that was killed in that yes they did i think it was number
1: 42 yeah yeah something like that oh, i can't remember what team it was but i remember seeing that it was a- michigan Okay. Not Michigan State, but Michigan. Michigan. University of Michigan. <laughs> I know you're a state fan over there, and I'm a Michigan fan. <laughs> but I do believe that state it was did as Michigan, well. Michigan, <laughs> your team didn't do anything like that.
0: I need you to know. <laughs> no, I All
1: do
0: right, think. Listen, I'm not, a, I'm not a Michigan State girl anymore. I'm now I'm a Florida you know, girl.
1: So I got to support yeah. the Florida
0: teams. So what am I wearing right now? Florida gators.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I do think that um, Michigan State did something as well. Probably. Yeah. It, everybody came together in that.
0: So it makes yeah. sense. You see that the visuals happen in real life. And, you know, when someone passes away, they have the, the shrine where the flowers and the teddy bears and everything yeah. are
1: left. Yeah. In the summer of 1975, Abigail left Jack with Lindsay and Buckley. Their neighbors would leave food on their porch because they would feel bad that Abigail had left. And again, Grandma Lynn came to help. Take care of the two kids
0: You know the food they left was some sort of casserole <laughs> Absolutely
1: Like it's tuna always... noodle casserole Tater tot casserole <laughs> Like we could go on of how many casseroles or it's Always a casserole Or it was like that Like fluff stuff Ambrosia salad Oh yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> Anything jello that was big
0: It always comes in some sort of big container <laughs> Yes yeah. You could just get back, get that back to me whenever you... <laughs> yeah. L- listen, I've got other <laughs> stuff going on. I'm not going to return your casserole dish
1: anytime soon. No. So evidence was found linking Harvey to the death of Susie. They found the bones in the crawlspace of Harvey's house. Uh, from the animals that went missing in town. So not, not her bones. Not her bones. So... When he was first a suspect, there was missing animals that had gone missing, and he blamed it on a kid. Mm There, he's like, I can't remember the kid's name, but he's just like, yeah, that boy, he's weird. He, he's the one who's making all the animals go missing, but it was really Harvey. And he would go down in the basement on one of his timers and sit in there and look through the call space and look at all the bones. All the lovely bones gross this man is gross he is gross and disturbed very disturbed
0: yeah that makes me think of uh john wayne gacy that he he buried so many bodies under his house yes that he was having a hard time like hiding the smell because how could you and they were burying him like yeah yeah Exactly. Yeah. It makes me think of any time I hear anything about somebody burying a body under their crossface. it makes me think of him because ugh, the fact that he thought he could cover that spell.
1: <laughs> Let's have a barbecue. That'll cover it. <laughs> oh, no. No, no. So from that, they find they go searching the cornfield again and find a Coke bottle that has Harvey's and Susie's fingerprints on it.
0: OK, so they know they were together
1: yes they could not find george harvey because that was not truly his real identity
0: It wasn't his real name
1: no he used that name uh yep in 1981 lynn furniman got a call from another detective in delaware where a murder in wilmington had been connected to a girl's body found in 1976 in connecticut And painstakingly traced the keystone charm back to Susie's murder. Oh. So, as he was dumping this body of this other girl, hoping that she wouldn't be found, he accidentally dropped Susie's Susie's keychain.
0: Now, is Susie still watching all of this?
1: Yes. Yes. Susie is still watching from her heaven.
0: So, she knows that she was unable to stop somebody else from being
1: killed by this man. Yeah. Ugh.
0: That's that's rough.
1: So eight years later, Lindsay and her boyfriend, Sam, get engaged. Aww, and after off. finishing college, they find an old house in the woods owned by a classmate's father and decide to fix it up and live there. Sometime after the celebration, Jack suffers a heart attack. And Abigail returns to Cal from California. And Buckley is really bitter with his mother.
0: Well, yeah, you left. In the hardest time of our lives, you left.
1: Yeah. You yeah. left us to be on our own, to you, do everything on our own. You go ahead and stay gone at this yep. point. Yep. Stay gone. Yep. Harvey returns to Norristown, and it's more developed and explores his old neighborhood and notice the school is being expanded on into the cornfield where he murdered Susie. He drives by the sinkhole where he had dropped Susie's body he put her into a metal safe and dropped her body into the thing paying $20 to the people who live there (gasps) oh
0: yeah so they have no idea that this girl's body is somewhere on their property
1: yeah no idea well in the sinkhole Mm -hmm. like under probably refrigerators at this point because they would just dump things like that into these holes back then kind of like
0: you just go to your neighborhood dump to drop something off you pay a certain amount when you drive in and yep and that was her final resting place
1: and this kind of goes in a weird direction here okay that i didn't like so ruth and ray are there and ruth senses the woman harvey has killed and is physically overcome Susie, watching from her heaven, is also overwhelmed with emotions and feels how she and Ruth switch places. So Ruth goes to her heaven for a minute? Yes, in the in-between. Okay. And Susie takes over Ruth's body. Okay. Ray senses Susie's presence and is stunned by the fact that Susie is back briefly with him. The two make love as Susie has always longed for. Oh, I have so many
0: problems with that. Yeah. So you you took somebody else's body without their consent, even though you were killed for somebody doing something to you without your consent. And you, there's no other way to say it. She was, this girl was raped. She yes. was
1: raped. Yes. And I don't understand how Alice Ebold, as an author, could write that, knowing that, because she herself was raped in real life. Oh.
0: <sighs> Maybe she wanted it to seem like a sweet happily ever after mm-hmm. that they get this one last moment together. But as a reader, as someone who... Did, why couldn't it have been a sweet kiss goodbye? Right. Like, I could justify a sweet kiss goodbye. I can't justify using somebody else's body for sex when. No. She is...
1: had no say over her own body at that point. Exactly. She's sitting in the between. She's probably watching, like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Get off! Yeah. <laughs> Get like, off. And me. I think that's why she maybe wrote it that they had kissed and were friends like that and boyfriend, girlfriend when they were pretending. When they were in junior high. But there's a difference.
0: She doesn't like boys. She wouldn't have consented to that. Yeah. That's and I'm not saying anything bad about the author. The book is beautifully written. I love all the uh adaptations that they've done of it. It's wonderful, but maybe a sweet kiss goodbye instead of making it about sex, considering how she died. Right. Like why why
1: why did Susie want that in the first place?
0: Yeah, that seems like her last experience with someone of the male persuasion would have made her a little timid towards that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Okay, all right, so. So Susie moves on to a larger part of heaven when she gets back to her, her heaven. Okay. But occasionally watches over Earth and its events. So Lindsay and Samuel got married, had a daughter, and named her Abigail Suzanne. Again, I don't know why she would have picked her mother's name, knowing her mother left. <laughs> Maybe just name her Susan. Yeah. So she also watches Harvey while stalking a young woman in New Hampshire. He is hit on the shoulder by an icicle. Like, I mean, like a giant icicle that made him fall into a ravine. And he slowly but surely bled to death. Oh, good. I- I'm glad it was slow and
0: painful. Yes. I hope that... To that- it was agonizing every set second of it, and his pants were wet and cold, and you know that feeling when your legs get all prickly from the cold? because oh, yeah.
1: and... nobody could find his body because it was snowing. Yeah. So he got covered with snow, and nobody will find him until after it melts.
0: Yep. I hope he's stayed conscious for a long portion of that. I really do. I hope yeah. it was very... very Maybe painful.
1: his toes froze and they broke off. Yeah. Oh, yeah, his toes broke <laughs> off.
0: The, the pain that he used against people, yeah. I hope that snapped right off. You don't need that. Yeah. You use it nope. as a weapon. hope that cracks right off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so with looking at the story of The Lovely Bones and looking at some of the real murders, what do you think is more traumatizing? The actual murders or the fiction book? I, okay
0: there's two sides of my brain on this there's the one as an author who thinks when you write a story like this all of your readers experience the trauma that being said as a mother i don't think there's anything on the planet that can match up to the trauma of losing a child especially by means as graphic and as gory and as horrific as this so from the art standpoint very traumatizing from real life i don't think it can compare that's the worst that's the biggest nightmare ever
1: yeah i agree fully yeah yeah
0: but we want to hear from all of you at home what do you think yeah (laughs) (laughs) so our quote of the day (laughs) as we wind
1: to a close of yet another wonderful episode The aim of art is not to represent the outward appearance of things, but their inward significance. Oh, that's very zen. Mm -hmm. We'll have to think
0: on that. Mm -hmm. Until next time. Bye.